Hello and welcome to Weebspawn, where we talk about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. We are by no means experts, just huge fans. I'm your host, Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hello, Bobby. Glad to be doing another episode. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Demon Slayer. And as always, spoilers ahead. Demon Slayer, also known as Kimetsu no Yaiba. It was first aired in Japan on April 6th of 2019. It's based on the 21-volume manga, which was created by Kyoyoharu Gotoge. As of this month, <laughs> January 2021, Demon Slayer has sold over 120 million copies sold physically and digitally. It has been extremely popular from digital and physical copies as well as streaming, hitting top records on some streaming services such as Crunchyroll. Uh, it also has received massive praise for its animation and unique art style, not to mention its huge success that's going on right now with the Infinity Train arc that has, I believe, only been released in Japan so far. This is best of my knowledge, yes, because I have no idea that the training arc start the infinity train arc not training arc has started i know there was like rumors of season two coming to air over here soon but i don't think i've ever seen an exact date for it yet um one thing that i also want to say when i was doing a little bit of research uh on demon slayer a little bit ago like a couple months ago before we had a set date on doing this episode i believe it was in july or August, and Demon Slayer had sold over 80 million copies at that time, so it's been six months, and they managed to sell 40 million more. I mean, with COVID, everyone's trying to find some <laughs> animes to watch. Yeah. <laughs> or mangas to read. So, if you didn't know, Demon Slayer is the story of Tanjiro, a Tashiro? Taisho? Taisho. Taisho, Arab boy, who lives in the mountains and sells charcoal in a nearby village to raise money for his family. His peaceful life is disrupted when a demon comes and attacks his family in the middle of the night while he is gone and selling in the town to get the money. And upon his return, he finds that his entire family has been slaughtered except his sister. His sister has been turned into a demon, and from this point on, his journey begins. Yeah, I know we're going to talk about the intro in just a minute, but oh my god, the opening scene of this show is fucking intense. So and it also kind of gives you precedent of like his abilities, because one of the first things you like notice is he smells blood, and then you're just like... Oh shit, like, yeah. is it, because they're in the mountains, I don't know how, I can't exactly remember the opening entirely, but it's like, you could think, oh, maybe it's hunting. No, it's straight up a fucking massacre on this family. <laughs> like, they didn't hold back at all. Normally, you get the whole, like, oh, my parents were killed, kind of like, cliche with the main character, but it's like, damn, they they did not hold back at this one. Yeah, it was pretty... I've, it hooked me right from the beginning. But let's talk about a little bit of inspiration first and maybe our impressions. So the sh thing that drew me in was the very first scene where Tanjiro's carrying his sister through the snow-covered forest and snow's just falling all around him. When I saw this scene, it was like my first impression was it was immensely beautiful and it just had a completely different vibe from other anime I think it had to do with just kind of like the colors and the line work uh, in the show by itself. It definitely inspired me from like a – or it definitely made me think it was inspired by some older traditional Japanese art styles. In some scenes, it's easier to tell uh, than others, but the character outlines aren't always uniform. The thickness changes on the character almost as if it was drawn with a calligraphy pen or brush. It's very subtle at some points. But I think the viewer is able to pick it up subconsciously if they're not able to physically see it right away and figure out what's different. But after looking up what the inspiration was for, I found that 
it used ukiyo-e art style, which was popular in the 17th through 19th century, which makes sense for the time period of the story um, for this show. So it's really cool the different types of inspiration they, they took from it. And it's I love this art style so much. Absolutely gorgeous. And honestly, whenever you look into like an anime, actually like dive into it, like especially more of the popular ones, it's honestly amazing how much detail actually goes into this. But it's like they could have just drew regularly and been like, all right, we're gonna the timepiece is set in the nine uh, the nineteen hundreds. But they're like, nah, we're going to draw it like it was in the 1900s. And it's like, okay, okay, yeah. calm down. <laughs> they could have easily made this a crisp, clean show like some other anime. And it would have been great. But just the fact that they added that art style just enhances the experience. One thing I do like. So actually, let me ask you a question real quick as a viewer. Would you say this is more fantasy or supernatural? Oh, interesting question. I honestly would say this is more f supernatural because oh, yeah. nothing about it. Uh, yeah, I would say it's supernatural because the thought of demons and stuff seems supernatural to a, a Western standpoint. So just from looking at it from a Western standpoint, I would say it's supernatural just because there's no like no one humans can't call on magic or there's no mystical um power at hand it's just there's these creatures that lurk in the shadows and kill humans and that just seems more along the lines of like a fantasy or not a fantasy a um yeah just like folklore yeah because i know some people i don't know the tags off the top of my head they could be a fantasy tag in there i could easily see it mean no doubt but I also believe it's more the supernatural over the fantasy. Because I know some people, if you watch it, they would kind of think, oh, like, they're using water outside their blades and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That it's fantasy. But it's actually supernatural because the water or any kind of animation you see is just more of the enhanced version showing you the different breathing techniques and sword techniques used. But going <laughs> off of... The reason I brought this up, going off of the time period it's set, I think with the art style, how it is set and drew like this, that it really helps the supernatural feel. Because like you said, it kind of does seem like you're watching like a folklore come to life, where if it was made more clean and crisp, as we're kind of like used to, then it would have been, I feel like, would have gave more of a fantasy outlook. I like that, yeah. And also... To go back to your point of the water and stuff coming off their swords, I, I definitely could see that being the case of it being used as a super, uh, fantasy aspect of it. But also, it might just be a visual representation of the unique sword, sword styles they're using and not necessarily water's actually coming out, but rather it's a just a physical representation of the different moves that they're using. I don't know if that really holds up going into some of the stuff in the show but kind of like the thought that maybe it's just a physical rep visual representation of what they're doing i don't know and since we're still on that beautiful art style that i think is probably the most number one recognizable thing of this series mm -hmm. oh my god i just can't get over how gorgeous it is you know, when I honestly, when I actually first saw like a GIF of it, I thought, I was like, that looks so unnatural compared to the anime. Like the, the anime it is, and then when they do the attacks, it's definitely a different artwork. Oh, yeah. And when I just saw like little GIFs of it, I'm like, what the hell are they doing? They just change art style in the middle. Like, what the hell? Like, it was so off-putting at first. Yeah. But actually having watched it, it's like wow okay it actually makes sense and then it looks so beautiful and the producer for the anime stated that matching um, gotugu gotuge gotuge art style was extremely difficult and for each attack that characters had to use specifically the water breathing technique was probably the most difficult to animate he said 
they had to hand draw all of the breathing attacks in order to match with the CG character. So the characters are generated, but then they had to hand draw every single attack. And especially the water one, since that one is our main character's primarily breathing technique. And so every time he unleashed an attack, that was all hand drawn. That's amazing to me. Just because of the amount of work and effort that goes into anime in general, and then this one specifically, they had to physically hand draw. I can't imagine how much time that actually took them to get it perfectly, like how they wanted it. That is so cool. As mentioned a little bit earlier, because you mentioned this takes place in the Taisho period, which is approximately the year 1912 to 1926, this plays an important role in the design of the world and the cities. You can see it with different scenes when Tanjiro is traveling. He goes to Asakusa, Tokyo. The buildings have an architectural style that was present in the city in the time of the 1900s along with the banners that hang from the buildings. They were bright and colorful, and they just filled the streets, much like the neon billboards do today. Um, not to mention the clothes of the citizens wore, uh, that they wore also matched the time period. They paid close attention to how they needed to design these buildings in this world and make it as authentic as possible. The producers even mentioned in an interview that they looked at many pictures and books of the Taisho period, to make sure that they stayed true to the era as well as visiting places in the snowy mountains to understand what Tanjiro's hometown would have actually felt like. And that's remarkable to me. That is pretty cool that they like went through that. I know being a film student myself, I know sometimes a lot of people actually do that as well. If you look at some of the like huge name directors and everything, especially if it's like a time era piece, they will go and like look at whatever scenery is near there or even if they have to, obviously only like big, big name ones can afford to like bring a whole production to that space. Like if they wanted to do like an Amazon shoot, they could bring, they could actually probably shoot in the Amazon, but it's always good. You can tell when someone truly loves a story or like truly loves a work when they actually put those little details that you may not know about in there and you may not even realize it because it just looks so authentic so natural that you don't even think about it and that's when you know it's the best work is when everything just fits that you don't even have to question anything yeah i agree yeah that's because like you said like the only thing that struck out stuck out to me when I was watching Demon Slayer is, wow, that town looks really cool. And not like, oh, I wonder if that's authentic. It just felt right. And even if you look up Taisho Asakusa, Asakusa, you can actually see like banners and stuff. And one of the top results is Demon Slayer's Asakusa. And they look identical. Like side by side, they look exactly right. I know we'll get into this a little later, possibly, but have you also noticed a lot of the characters' eyes, like, aren't there? <laughs> really? Like, in the background people or something? No, I mean, like, the main characters. There's, like, half of the main characters that we know, like, don't have normal eyes. Like, oh, they have no yeah. pupils. Yeah, But it doesn't look thing, weird at first. Like, it looks weird at first, but... It just becomes natural, and I don't understand why. <laughs> Honestly, in, in a lot of anime, like Demon Slayer and even like Fire Force, going through and seeing a new character, I'm like, ooh, what do their eyes look like? Because it's so cool to like, see the different art style just in the eyes alone. It's super weird. Yeah, everyone is always like, oh, look, you drew anime eyes, the big eyes, mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, the other like side character has small eyes. There's even, I know before there was even memes that it's like, you see some... You have those big old eyes. That means you're a main character. <laughs> See, my eyes, my eyes are small. That means I'm a side character. This ain't none of my business. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if eyes are just a cultural thing in Japan where it like has some significant meaning rather than in America or something. But eyes definitely are a focal point in a lot of anime. It definitely shows like 
different person. They really took the eyes of Wendell to their soul very literally <laughs> sometimes and will design their eyes based on their character. That's true. Like, there are some demons, like, we'll talk about later, that attacks Tanjiro and he had the ability to move stuff with his demon art. And his eyes were arrows. So it kind of makes sense to who they are. But enough about eyes. Let's yes. get on Let's to the story. <laughs> so as we kind of mentioned a little earlier of the opening scene that starts with Tanjiro frantically carrying his unconscious sister through a heavy snowfall. Then it's cut to the day before. So we kind of get a glimpse of what's going to happen, but we don't know how it happens. So Tanjiro is traveling to the nearby town to sell his charcoal. And he's happily welcomed into the town as he performs some tasks to help out while selling his product. So it's not like he's outcast or anything. He just happens to live in this house far in the woods. But everyone loves him. And he, after he sold, he decides to return home. But night has already fallen. And as he is leaving, an old man insists Tantro doesn't travel at night due to a man-eating demons hunting at night. Even though Tanjiro believes that it's only folklore, he said he stays anyways as he is headed. And I don't know if he ends up. I'm pretty sure he ends up always like regretting this decision, but he ends up going home the following morning. And as we kind of mentioned earlier, he has a very keen sense of smell, and he instantly notices that there's a smell of blood, and he goes frantically running to his house only to discover his entire family, excluding his sis his sister, Nezuko, has been slaughtered. In panic, Tanjiro picks her up and attempts to carry her back down to town in order to help her and save her life. Ah, <sighs> yeah. So, super intense. Just from the beginning, because like you said, he's carrying her through the snow, and then all of a sudden it cuts to present day and we're just like how does how does this happen what is going on and then like at the end of this it's or not the end of this episode but halfway through the episode we learn about their slaughter and just like damn like they got heavy and deep right away so as he's carrying her she transforms into a demon and tries to kill him and he's holding her back because he has an axe that he just always carries on him because he chops wood to make charcoal so he's holding her back with this axe, and as he's holding her back, a demon slayer named Gyu, uh, Gyu Tomika, nope, that's not right, Gyu Tomioka, comes running in and attempts to kill Nezuko, but despite her attempting to kill Tanjiro, Tanjiro saves her from his blade. He then begs Gyu to spare her because she would never hurt anyone. He knows his sister better than anybody else. She would never hurt someone. Gyu explains... That she's a demon because her blood was mixed with the blood of a demon. And now she will eat humans and she must be put down. There is no stopping what a demon will do. Their natural instinct is to hunt and kill. Of course, Tanjiro's like, yo, I'll cure her. I'll find a way. I'll make her human again. And then Gyu's just like, yeah, okay. Basically saying, fuck you, knocks Tanjiro out. Um, There's a little... um fight scene there but he basically overpowers Tanjiro effortlessly but in doing so Nezuko then attempts to protect Tanjiro and attacks Gyu this behavior really confuses him and he knocks her out too <laughs> there was a lot going on there and it was just as you're going through you're like okay she's a demon now but Tanjiro is the main character so you know she's different I believe you Tanjiro <laughs> And then, like, right after Tanjiro wakes up, he notices, like, Nesco is fine, but Giyu kind of is like, alright, in order for me to believe you, he's going to give you, he's going to give, like, a little test real quick, and I forget exactly what was going on, but basically what he did was, as you mentioned, he was holding the axe. I just love this scene, that's why I wanted to say it real quick. And he has to fight him one more time. So Nezuko's, Nezuko is knocked out and he just woke up and it's like, all right, you have one chance to prove 
like your ideals because ideals without power is meaningless and so he goes to make an attack obviously Giyu knocks him clean but then like right after that like a second later he has to dodge because apparently he threw the axe in the air and he was holding his hands behind his back like he was holding the axe and he completely tricked Giyu and that kind of impressed him so he's like okay you know what it seems like you have the potential I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Go seek out a, a man named Sakonji? Uh, yep. Sakonji Urokodaki. And at, he lives at the base of Mount Sagari. So after burying his family, he does give them a proper burial. They head to the mountain. And during his travels, he ends up finding... He finds a temple that has the scent of blood. And since Tanjiro's by nature just a very kind-hearted person, he goes to help and he finds a demon eating a corpse. The demon instantly attacks him and Nezuko stand attacks him and Nezuko stands over the dead body, struggling to resist the urge to eat him. And after a short time, she comes to her sentence, senses and ends up helping Tanjiro, and after a short battle they have, he ends up cutting off the demon's head, but then they discover it's still alive, even after decapitation. At this point is when Urokodaki appears, and he helps Tanjiro, or I don't know if he helps or just tells Tanjiro to, you need, in order to kill this demon, use the use a rock or something i forget yeah what yeah he doesn't help him at all he's just like if you're gonna do this do it and so it's kind of weird he just like gets this rock and ends up trying to kill the demon and basically he wants to see if he has the resolve but then after the sun rises it's demons are almost like vampires in a sense because Sun is like their natural enemy, and the sun rises and just burns the demons to the death. And then Urakadaki leads them back to his home, where he finally is going to test Tanjiro if he's capable of actually becoming a demon slayer. Yeah, so this is definitely like a case of tough love. Like, if you're going to do this, you have to prove to me that you're capable of even stomaching this. But of course, Tanjiro sort of passes in his own way he needs to like you said he needs to go improve himself but um yeah we'll we'll get to that point he proves himself and i don't know about you but since we're about to go into a little bit of training here i love what demon slayer does to training arcs they don't spend six fucking episodes training a character to make him strong they spend like one maybe two episodes and they're just like, yeah, you're good now. Like, you're good to go. Like, you're not OP. We'll give you more training in the future. But we break it up into ways that you get to where you need to go. But we're not going to dwell on it. Which I love. So, like you said, Urokodaki takes Tanjiro into the mountains and teaches him everything he knows. After about a year. So, there's a lot of parts where he has to like dodge obstacles and make it down to the base of the mountain because Urakadaki set up these traps that were to stop Tanjiro but with his keen sense of and Tanjiro has this keen sense of smell that it's always reminding us about and he's able to avoid all these obstacles so he trains with Urakadaki for about a year and tells him that he can only move on if he can cut this massive boulder in half and it's at like the top of the mountain it's just sitting there after six months, Tanjiro gets nowhere, and Urokodaki is no longer helping him. He's just saying, this is on you. Do what you got to do. He's getting nowhere, but after the six months, two mysterious children appear and say they're Urokodaki's adopted children. They begin to spar with him, giving him tips, and after another six months of training these with these kids, he finally is able to cut that boulder in half. And... I was like, when I saw these kids, I'm like, this is really strange. Like, you guys just appeared out of nowhere, but okay. I'm just gonna... After after a year and a half, 
you're claiming to be Urakodaki's children, and after a year and a half, we're just now seeing you? A little sus, but whatever. Just a little bit, but you know, it can sound a little spice. <laughs> this is a little more mystery to go along with the short little training arc. Mm-hmm. Which, like you said, I'm glad they didn't go, like, very long or show all the mundane task of him, like, swinging his sword a thousand times every day. Right. All that. It just kind of showed you what he was doing. So then in the future episode, it's like, oh, he actually has the skills to do this. Even though he has to train once more later on. Yeah. But now with Urokodaki's blessing, he can travel to the final test in order to officially become a demon slayer. So while he goes and travels to take the test, Nesko stays with Urokodaki. And at this point, she's actually been sleeping for two years. Basically sleeping the entire training arc because that's her training. Yeah. <laughs> Which will, that joke will make sense later. Tanjiro makes it to the training grounds, and he learns he must survive several several days within demon-infested grounds. And so, after exploring a large area, a demon appears that claims to have killed the last 14 kids that Urukodaki has sent here. So, he's just like, yeah, I killed all you wannabes. I'm so strong, I, I can kill non-demon slayers. Look at me. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> I just don't... Or, I'm sorry, but, like, what's that to brag about? It's like, yeah, you're about right. to become a demon slayer, but you're, like, you're so you're basically bragging that you kill people that haven't become demon slayers yet. No, you're bragging that you're killing children. Like, not even <laughs> demon slayers, not even people. It's just, like, kids. They're trying to do good, and you're just like, yeah, I killed those bitches. What you gonna do about it? <laughs> exactly. So, Jandro refuses to be defeated, and... He ends up killing them because, you know, like we said, you're bragging about nothing pretty much. And But before the demon dies, he talks about all how he has longed for was to hold his brother's hand one more time. And so it kind of gives you a sense that some demons, even though they have become demons like Nezuko has, it's like a fragment of their soul or their mind was still intact even like moments before their death yeah they they still have a sense of humanity in them even though they're no longer human and so when he returns he is gift after the test they are gifted stronger color changing swords which is what they're think is based on their like breathing style if i'm not mistaken and a, I'm not 100% sure what it's actually based on. It, that might be right. I think it also has to do with like who they are as a person. Like Somehow it senses that. I'm not really sure. It's just like their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and a Kusaga. Is that how you... Kusagai. Kusagai crow. That would give them info for their next assignment. Basically, it's like a PDA or a phone that's like, Hey, time for a new mission for Demon Steps. Yeah. So after returning, once he returns home, he finds out that Nezuko is awake. And we learn that she actually regains her strength from sleeping rather than eating. So in a sense, she was training in two years by sleeping. God, that would be great. Just like, you don't have to eat. You can just sleep a little bit and be like, I'm good to go. Ah, But now that Tanjiro finally is a demon slayer... He's allowed to go on his first mission. He travels to a nearby town where a demon is abducting women. After using his keen sense of smell, he's able to track down this demon and figure out where he's hiding. So he engages in a little battle. Tanjiro's determined to find the demon responsible for Nezuko's transformation. So he questions the demon about Muzan, which we learn is the the demon's name. And quickly, or simply after hearing... The name of this demon, it puts this demon that Tanjiro is fighting in a frenzy, and he performs a suicidal attack rather than give up any information. So that kind of gives us a sense of how scary this other demon is. Because instead of just saying, oh yeah, I know that guy, he's like, I'm going to try to kill myself and kill you. Whatever one happens is great. I just don't want to give you any information about this dude. After this mission, Tanjiro and Nezuko travel to... Asakusa. While in town, 
Tanjiro catches a scent of a fe- smell that's pretty familiar to him. And as he's smelling it, he's like, oh shit, like this is the same scent that was in my house the night my family was killed. So he's like, I'm going to find this demon and demand a cure. So he he's following the scent. He's in the middle of this busy street in Asakusa. And he is about to pull his sword and he sees Muzan. He knows who he is, sees his face. And then a child runs up to him and is calling him daddy. And from the scent, Tanjiro knows that this child's human. And then uh, a woman walks up who is also human and the child calls her mommy. And this is like this clicks to Tanjiro that this demon is living among humans, pretending to be human while living a normal life. When Muzan realizes that Tanjiro is there, he then distracts him quickly by making a cut on himself and then cutting the back of a human's neck, giving him his blood. This turns the human into a demon right in front of Tanjiro. And this causes a scene. Tanjiro obviously has to protect the people. And as he's doing this, Muzan gets away. And it's actually almost a like heartbreaking scene too. Because like literally as this goes on and he has to put down, in a sense, an innocent person. Even though He's a demon now. He has like, he was attacking. He had to do what he had to do. But he's also like in the street, like holding on to this guy, and he's just screaming. And he's like, I know what you look like. I know, like, I know who you are. I don't care what people think. I will find you and I will kill you, like, for all this. And he's just like screaming. And then Muzan's just kind of like smirking, like, as he's leaving. And of course, his wife and everything's like, Do you, do you know that person? And he's like, just <laughs> blows it off and everything. So. It's kind of a real kind of like heartbreaker at this moment in time as well. And one thing about Tanjiro that we learn is that he obviously is not afraid to kill demons, but he's also not for killing demons. He doesn't want to do it, but he's going to do anything he can to get his sister back to becoming a human. So he has the sympathy towards them. He knows that deep down inside they are human but he's that's not going to stop him from getting what he needs and that's killing Muzan and finding a cure for Nezuko. And one step further to help find this cure is during all this commotion they end up running into another demon and she actually has the same ability as Muzan that can turn humans into demons. But there's a catch. They don't actually need to eat humans in order to live. She is actually looking a cure to turn demons affected by Muzan's curse back into humans. So it's pretty much the exact same thing, except just Tantra is just solely focused on her, his sister, and she's like wanting to do everyone. So who's the real hero here? <laughs> <laughs> but in order to do this, Tantra needs to collect the blood of extremely powerful demons so she can study it. And then, just like a flag has risen... After this request, they are attacked by two of Muzan's henchmen. Yeah, this was a really cool fight because I think this was the first really, like, obviously the first mission was kind of engaging too, and the first couple fights were pretty good. But I feel like we were really engaged with this because we were able to see a lot more of Tanjiro's water breathing and how clever he can be while fighting a difficult foe. Because it's clear that he's kind of outmatched here. He's getting his ass handed to him. He's fighting one demon and then Nezuko's fighting another. Um, One of the demons has this blood art that is able to control directions of objects that the arrows touch. So these arrows are being created throughout the air. And if you swing at it like Tanjiro tries to cut one, his sword gets dragged in the same direction that the arrow is pointing. And then we have another one that is able to grow multiple arms and has these tamari balls that when they're thrown, they're basically like giant cannonballs because they have so much power behind them. But this was fun because I felt like this was the first real fight that Tundra really struggled with. Because like I said, he got his ass handed to him. and But we were able to see how cunning he was because he was using his water breathing technique to not touch the arrows 
but actually manipulate them to move in a way that he wanted them to move to clear an opening to kill the demon that he was fighting. And we found that these were really strong demons, but they weren't even the most powerful 12 that Tanjiro has to fight in order to get this blood from Muzan to create this cure or help the demon find the cure. So this gets you really excited about what's to come next and to learn more about demon blood art and the abilities that they come with. Like the, Because as we've found so far that each demon has their own special blood art. Like the first one in on his first mission after becoming a demon slayer, it had the ability to like kind of create this parallel world that he could jump into. And these two demons had their own special blood art. And then it also makes us look forward to what possible moves that Nezuko will obtain. So really gets you looking forward to the future episodes. I'm disappointed you talked about Nezuko, but you didn't talk about her her little support in the fight, the little contest yeah. of strength they had. Come on, that was adorable. Yeah. Here, you could, you could talk about it. I know how much you like Nezuko. <laughs> so going back a little bit to the, what was, I don't know what the demon was called, but the one with the Tamari balls. She... Mm -hmm. I don't remember their names, actually. I don't know either. But she... I think it was a she, right? Because mm -hmm. it was... Yeah. Pretty sure. And so she has the... She has the four arms and she has the four balls and she has, like, super, like... And I mean, like, super strength when it comes to, like, throwing these because you think, oh, it's a little ball, but then, it, like, it destroyed the house when she threw it. So Nezuko was like, no, I'm going to ends up, is it kicking or punk? I think it's kicking. She kicking, yeah. yeah. She kicks it <laughs> the back. The scene when this happened, I was just like, oh, fuck. She kicks it back and the demon's like, what? And like throws it back harder. And then Nezuko kicks it back harder. And then it just keeps going back well, and forth. Well, one thing that happened before, the first time she actually kicked it, when she kicked it, it blew her leg off completely. Oh. And it's just like, oh, fuck. Like, that just happened. And then but. once she kicked it back, she's like, oh, you think you can outmatch me? And so they become a contest of strength. And Nezuko is, like, grunting, getting angrier and angrier. Like, give up already. And finally. She's a little tank, honestly. It, it was amazing. I loved it. It showed us a little bit of how, like, what Nezuko kind of, like, attained becoming a demon. Mm -hmm. And she just ends up overpowering her. And I thought it was the coolest, adorable thing that happened with this fight. Yeah. And if I'm recalling this correctly, at the end of that fight, that demon with the Tamari balls actually mentioned Muzan's name. And upon doing so, a curse, like, ability kind of appears and actually kills her because she spoke his name. And that also shows you, like, why that first demon that we talked about did not want to say his name and actually decided to try to commit suicide, like a suicidal attack versus say, speaking about him because they're affected by this curse that when they're spoken, they will be killed. Yeah, so it's like, it's a lose-lose situation for them. So they're like, well, I might as well die fighting then to a curse. Mm -hmm. So after we move on from this fight, we move on to our next mission. Now on the way, Tanjiro stumbles upon Zetsu, a fellow Zenitsu. demon slayer that he graduated with. It's a Zenitsu. Zetsu is oh. from Naruto. <laughs> <laughs> Zenitsu, yeah, that's Zetsu. I was like, why is that name so familiar? <laughs> Something's not right here. Zenitsu. Their mission leads them to a creepy house that has two scared children crying outside of it. They state that the brother is trapped inside. And so, of course, Tanjiro is like, we'll go help him. And <laughs> Zanitsu is like, but it's scary. Let's not. Let's wait for other people. Or he's like, yeah, your brother's good as dead. Let's just save these two. <laughs> so as they enter the house, the two get separated and the house just changes. Like, the rooms just change out of nowhere. And we find out it's because of a demon blood art. But this mission is wrapped up shortly afterwards after Tanjiro learns how this demon art, demon blood art works and it comp compensates accordingly. 
obviously with his king sense of smell, it also kind of helps him figure out where everyone is at. And we find out it's like this little, the brother actually managed to steal one of these drums that the demon has, and it changes the room. So every time someone came close to the door, he would bang the drum in order to not get like attacked. But luckily, Zenitsu is able to find the child while Tan Tanjiro finds the demon. And after a short fight, the demon, he kills the demon, but he has, gets a sense of humanity back in his life after Tanjiro com complimented his ability as he is decapitated. He ends up crying like tears of joy because he was finally acknowledged. Yeah, so, I really like this. Like, this demon, I just I just love how they do the demons. When they're fighting, they are demonic. They like to kill and hunt. But then as they're on the verge of death, you just see this sense of them that was lost so deep inside of them. And Tanjiro has this way of pulling it back. Because, like you said, he complimented his ability, and then this guy was just like, holy shit, like, I feel acknowledged that's all i really wanted and i think that also goes back to one thing we brushed over is this demon was once a member of the 12 moons and but he got demoted which essentially shows that he's no longer being acknowledged and stuff like that so it was just really cool to see the sense of humanity come back to them it also kind of gives you like little bits and pieces that it's like well, maybe it's not impossible to cure her, or maybe mm -hmm. at least bring her humanity back inside her. Right. Yeah, even if she's not able to become human again, maybe she can still have that part of her. Kind of like how the other yeah. demons we watched from the other person that's looking for the cure doesn't have to eat humans. Well, we kind of already know she doesn't have to eat humans. She can just sleep it off, but maybe go beyond that to where... She can basically live a normal life, kind of like Muzan, where he lives a normal mm -hmm. life or hiding out as a normal life, but is secretly a demon. And honestly, it'd kind of be cool <clears throat> to be a demon, but have this humanity, because you know how long you would live? God, that'd be sweet. I wonder if they're technically immortal. I would assume. I don't I mean, who think, knows how long moves on? Yeah, I was about to say, I don't think there's anything that says they are, but there's not anything that says they have, like, they never really died from old age either. Yeah. Because Cause, cause that demon that we just met who doesn't need to eat humans, she said she learned this blood um, transformation technique after 200 years. So she's at least 200 years old, and she looks really young, and she seems to be in perfect health. Besides the fact that she's so, a demon, but yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, in this episode, we kind of brushed over a uh, main character. Because there are a lot of fight scenes in the first season of this show. But we kind of brushed over the meeting of another demon slayer called Inosuke. Which we find, we find him in this house when we're uh, traveling through it, looking for the, the demon that's controlling it. He wears a boar head, like some weirdo. <clears throat> and he's just like this psychotic animal. He's really cool. I like this character a lot. And in this episode, we also... <clears throat> sorry. We also learn how much of a coward Zenitsu is. Like you already mentioned before he went into the house, he was trying to abandon it immediately. But he is like just this absolute coward that just cries and he can't fight at all. He just cowers in a corner until he passes out. But once he passes out, we learn how much of a fucking badass he is because his subconscious takes over and he unleashes an insane amount of power and uses his lightning breathing technique that just obliterates his opponent. Super cool. I like his ability. And one thing I like about him is he, we learned it a little later but the reason why he uses like this one move is because that's literally all he knows and i think it i like to refer to because i'm pretty sure it came from bruce lee the same way he's like i do not fear a guy who has practiced a thousand kicks once 
but the guy who has practiced one kick a thousand times. Hmm. Interesting. I did not know that. I'm almost positive that was Bruce Lee that was quoted. That sounds for right. And I think Zenitsu is the living embodiment of that if he just wasn't in cognitive conscious state. <laughs> yeah, and you were right. That was Bruce Lee. So oh, didn't know that. That's that, that's a perfect example of what he is, like his his motto. So fast forwarding over some adorable Nezuko scenes and a rest and a recovery day for our fellow demon slayers, we make our way to the last real mission of this season. A spider demon infested forest. Not just spiders, not just demons, <laughs> a mix. Spider demons. Everyone's favorite. <laughs> when they arrive, oh, many demon slayers have actually already been killed in a battle and soon and soon involves some dead and barely barely leaving demon slayers. They are being manipulated like puppets. A young demon appears and states there are five of them and nothing will stop them from being a family and that they will die. So basically, this is their territory. They live together like a family and they'll like leave or perish. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Get out of here. We didn't know, but they were secretly Scottish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, in this game, which is the guy with the forehead, uses spiritual awareness and senses the puppet master's location because he is a battle junkie. He's like, I'm just going to go for the master because he's the strongest. I want to fight him. So while Tanzaro and Inosuke run towards the puppet master, in order to quickly dispatch her, Inosuke grabs Tanzaro and throws him through the air directly at the demon. Because, you know, that is the best solution. He's like, I, do I don't want to throw my sword, so I will throw you. Yep. We find out that the demon just allows Tanjiro to kill her because she wants to be released from the demon that is actually keeping her. And as a thank you to Tanjiro, he is warned that one of the 12 demon moons resides on this mountain. Yeah. So when that, when that was said, I'm like, oh shit, this shit's about to get real. But I was, that was really, um... A moment that I was proud of Inosuke. Because instead of fighting the demon himself, he's like, let's quickly dispatch this dispatch this bitch. Go go for it, Tanjiro. He's definitely So I was proud of him. Yeah, he's definitely like the soul type character. But it it's like he's not against teamwork, but he's not for it either. Right. He's very much yeah. a battle junkie in heart and he want he just wants to fight. And but he's willing to protect like people like he like ends up recognizing and that's kind of like how Tanjiro and Inosuke's like I don't know little like relationship forms and mm -hmm. he like recognizes his strength so he uses it but he's very much a battle junkie. Yeah. And his character kind of I know you haven't seen Black Clover but his character kind of reminds me of Luck. Because he's a character that's just like, I want to fight all the fucking time, but I'm still going to get this mission done because that's what I'm here to do. Yeah, so it kind of reminds me of that. Example of him. <laughs> so meanwhile, Zenitsu finds himself wandering in the forest lost because he was scared and Inosuke and Tanjiro ran off and he's just like, oh shit. So he's wandering around. He's like, I got to find Nezuko. She's so cute. And she's probably scared in this forest. So I got to go. So while wandering, he's bitten by a spider. And a spider-like demon appears before him and tells him, Hey, since you've been bitten by that spider, it injected you with some poison that's going to turn you into a spider. And, whew, Zenitsu's like, fuck, no it ain't. I'm like, holy shit, I don't want this to happen. So he climbs a tree because he sees more spiders. So Because apparently climbing a tree, spiders can't get you because apparently spiders can't climb. But <laughs> he's... <clears throat> feels the poison working and actually some of his hair starts to fall out and once that happens he is done he passes the fuck out but as we already know 
when he's unconscious, he's an absolute beast. So as he's sleeping, we kind of go through like memories of his where he's tra- um, training with his master. And we learn, like you said earlier, he only knows one move. And his co-partner, I guess, the person also being trained under his master, made fun of him for only knowing one move. But the fact that Zenitsu studied that move for so long, he made it absolutely perfect. And that's why it's so powerful. So in this dream state, he unleashes his perfect lightning breathing technique. And he kills the spider demon basically without even a second thought. Like he just blows through it. And after that, he's unable to move because of the poison. And he lies down and slows his heart rate and waits in hopes that someone's going to save him. That's where the butterfly chick comes in. Uh, yes, Shinobu appears and she's like, you did a good job. And good job slowing your heart rate. We're going to help you now. She's She almost gave you like the motherly feeling. Mm-hmm. But then it's like she also is very sassy. She's just like, good job, even though you fit or like whatever. Like, yeah. She's like, I'm here to help you. But you need to be stronger, you weak little boy. Yeah, like I absolutely love Shinobu. And I don't know, just the vibe she gives, I'm just like, this chick's sweet, even though I know basically nothing about her. I love the gif of her and Tanjiro on the on the roof where they just like stare at each other. Mm. That was that was oh, I, know I don't know why. About. I just always find that funny. <laughs> <laughs> so after Shinobu comes and rescues Zenitsu, <clears throat> we find that Tanjiro is actually off in the distance with Inosuke still, and he sees Zenitsu's lightning, and he's like, oh, shit, there's Zenitsu. I'm going to go help him out. So right before Tanjiro is able to go and help him out, the father shows up of this little family, and he's this massive spider demon guy. So he shows up, and they're like, we got to kill him. He's going to fuck us up. So they're just unleashing everything they have on this guy. Because he is strong. Even their blades are barely doing any damage to him. And when they do cut him, he heals up basically immediately. So they're they're trying to drop trees on him and shit. They're, they're doing everything in their power to defeat him. And they're like, he is the 12th moon, or one of the 12 moons. There's no way we're going to last in a fight with him. So as they're going for it, Tanjiro manages to actually get knocked away from the fight. So he's, he's out of there. Because he just got launched. Inosuke is fighting him all alone. Barely able to survive. And at one point Inosuke actually starts to lose. And the the demon father grabs him. And is about to crush his skull. And this is where Inosuke thinks I am going to die. But luckily right before he does die. Giyu shows up and saves him. Cuts off his arm and then just totally dispatches this demon. And at that point, Inosuke is like, holy shit, you're strong as fuck. Like, that was awesome. You just defeated that moon like it was nothing. He's like, oh, that wasn't the moon. Like, that was just a demon. And then Inosuke is like, oh, man, I, I want to fight you. Like, let's fight. And then Gyu's like, no. Ties him up. And he's like, I'm going to go help Tanjiro now because you're dumb. And I don't have time to deal with you. And so, like he said, he has to go help Tanjiro. Tanjiro got launched. And he hears this woman screaming. So he's like, I'm going to go investigate this. And it actually happens to be the 12th moon. So he's like, I got to do something. I just love Inosuke's, like, always reaction when he knows, like, even though he's a friendly, he's like, wow, you're so strong. And, like, he's admiring it. And he's like, now let's fight. Well, and I don't get it. It's like, dude, you just, you just lost to this demon. And this guy took him down easily, and you're just like, yeah, let's fight. I'm going to beat you, because this time it's going to be different. <laughs> That's why I love Inosuke. Like, he, like you, you can almost say he's a little boorish. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but I just love him, because at first he, you think he's just going to be like this arrogant muscle head, which by no means is he not, but... He also has some, like, common sense to win, like, to back down and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But his reactions are just the best. I love him. 
he is a great character. I like him a lot. So now going off of that, going back to Tanjiro, where he actually meets the real Demon Moon, and he ends up being like the kid, and he actually was like holding his family pretty much hostage. He's like, "We're all going to be a happy family. If you want to leave, you'll die." So, yeah, very happy family. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that how all families work? Of course. His power is, like, threads. Obviously, like, being a spider, he has, like, this threads. But they're not just your normal threads, obviously. They're threads that can't be cut, or so he says. And that's how he is fighting. He uses, like, traps. He will use the threads to, like, tie you up and, like, cut you, basically. So while Tanjiro's fighting... Nezuko also comes to try and help to fight him because as we know from earlier she has like this superhuman strength and she can actually be a, a good ally. Well they were it's kind of just like a back and the tides kind of go flow back and forth. When she comes it looks like they're getting the upper hand but then he just kind of smiles and laughs and it's like you think that's all I have and ends up tying Nezuko and has her like trapped and even with her like super strength, she can't break out of these. So it looks like things are going bleak. And then we look going towards Tanjiro. And this is where he learns or concentrates and get his breathing down, calms himself, and uses his final form of his water breathing attack, attack technique. I don't know exactly <laughs> like what it's called, but... His breathing 10th form, and it's almost like a water dragon. I forget what it's called. And he manages to finally cut this thread. Because every time he's tried beforehand, his sword just kind of like bounces off. But now he's finally cutting it. And it's like, uh uh-oh, he's finally about to get the final blow. But then the guy just gives that little creepy smile. And he goes, did you think that was as strong as they can? And he goes, blood art. And he soaks his blood in these threads that make him, like, ten times stronger. I don't know exactly. But makes them practically impracticable where they can't be cut at all. And so Tanjiro has, like, this little flashback. Kind of like Inosuke had in... Zenitsu. Zenitsu has where... Right before they die, they have a, their life flashes before their eyes, and he is reminded of his father and his little dance he used to do. And with that, he learns like this new technique, and it's called the Kagura. Kagura? Kagura, Kagura yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Kagura dance. And his water turns into flames, and he is instantly able to cut the strings. And he's going for, like, the final attack. But the demon had another trap set up. But then it goes to Nezuko. And we find out what her, finally find out what her demon blood art is. And she can explode her blood. And so she uses that to destroy the strings that were coming for Tanjiro. Which gives him an opening to attack. And he... Puts his, like, broken blade up to the demon's neck. And then, of course, he's, like, it's kind of the typical anime protagonist speech. And he's, like, you cannot sit, uh, sever the bond between Nezuko and I. And that you see Nezuko's blood dripping on the blade. So, combine power with his new technique, the Kagura dance, and Nezuko's blood art. He manages to decapitate one of the demon blood. So, after Tanjiro decapitates this demon, he falls to the ground because he is physically exhausted and he is, he's done. He can't fight anymore. But then, the demon, it continues to walk. And we realize that, or he lets us know that we thought Tanjiro decapitated him, but really he severed his own head with his own threads in order to prevent his own death. So now he 
is fully functional. He's able to fight still, and Tanjiro is down for the count. So he's heading towards Tanjiro, and he's and has the intentions to kill. And after he reattaches his own head, we have Yu step in, and he quickly severs the head of this demon before he's able to hurt Tanjiro or Nezuko. And he finally does the final blow. And I think Gyu basically berates Tanjiro for thinking that he had won and he needs to get stronger and stuff like that. Definitely sounds something so, yeah. <laughs> but one fun thing that happens, or maybe it's fun, maybe it's kind of scary. Shinobu, after she, because she's fighting a demon on her own, but finally she comes through and she realizes that there's a demon with Tanjiro, which is Nezuko. And she goes to kill Nezuko. And right before she's able to slice her, Gyu actually steps in and protects her. And she's like, oh shit, like, you're protecting a demon. What is this? And they kind of have their own little fight and they have like their rules of you can't protect a demon. It's like, it's against the corp rules. And Gyu's like, basically convinces her to stand down. We'll take this up with the boss. Because I'm not letting this demon die. And then we have what comes next. And after that, we get a quick glimpse of what goes on like in the demon side. Where Yuzan has a meeting with some demons and is basically saying, like, how did you guys fail? How can you kill one simple boy? Stuff like this. And he's... The demons were like, oh, if I had some of your blood, because if he shares blood, they get, like, extremely powerful. And he basically kills each demon off one by one because they either try to go against him or, like, defied his orders by saying something wrong or try to escape, except one where he goes, he's all creepy when he says it, but he goes, Oh, I would love, if, if my fate is to die by your hands, then I would only embrace it to be killed by such a magnificent being as yourself. Something along those lines. And Mazan's mm-hmm. like, you know what? I, I'll i take it. And he yeah, he's like, him- flattery? He's like, I like the flattery. And he's like, all right, you know what? I'll bestow upon you my power. And he gives him some power. And he becomes the replacement for the demon that was killed previously. And then after that, <clears throat> we have a meeting with the Hashira, which are the strongest of the Demon Slayers. And this whole meeting, it brings everyone together, and the the ruler, like the, I don't even know what he's called, like the general, the lieutenant of the Demon Slayer, the one who's in charge of all the Hashira, are the, is there. And he basically wants to hear them out, like, why should, why should we spare Nezuko? And Tanjiro is all about sparing her. He's going to do anything in his power to save Nezuko. And one demon slayer is just like, this is bullshit. She's a demon. I'm going to prove to you she's a demon right here, right now. So he then, <clears throat> I believe he stabs Nezuko. Yeah, and he, he then cuts his own hand and bleeds all over her to prove like once she gets this blood this close to her, she's going to act in her instincts and eat or try to eat him. So she's resisting with all her might, trying to not eat this person. <clears throat> and we already saw in the very beginning of the season that she is able to resist. She has full control over herself. She just needs to have the confidence and just fight it. And of course she does resist and she crawls back into her little box and they're just like, Oh shit, like that backfired. I wanted to kill this demon. And Gyu even vowed, she's like, listen, if this demon eats another person, I will kill myself, too, because I vouch for them. And push comes to shove, everyone's finally like, all right, we'll let it happen. But if this demon kills one person, all of you are dead who supported this. And they are allowed to go on their own merry way. And they get sent on their next mission, which sends them to a train station. And, uh... 
Before they get on the train, we learn that the, that same demon that was in the mu- meeting with Muzan is also on this train, thus ending this season. Dun, dun, dun. Bum, bum, bum. And of course, to wrap this up, the question of the day would be, what reading technique would you want to be a school or disciple of? Well, what's your answer, Bobby? That is a very good question. I uh. see <laughs> water looks amazing. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but I'm cute. I just I'm curious of more. I want to learn more about the the lightning, the thunder, or whatever. But because mm-hmm. so far we only have one person, and he's not a very good representation of it. <laughs> yeah, like he's insanely fast and powerful, but he only knows that one move. And he did mention that he, there was another person training with him. So maybe in the future, we're going to see that guy. What about um, you? What I think, would yours? Yeah, uh, I really do like water. It's beautiful and it's really cool. It's very fluid. But like you said, like I don't know if that's the one I'd want. I really did like lightning a lot. But I also really enjoyed the the Kagura dance that Tanjiro did. So I kind of would want to dive more into like a fire breathing technique because we have not seen one yet but i'm pretty sure one of the main hashira guys that are going on the train arc with them has a fire breathing technique and i really want to see that he is but that's the reason why i don't want to learn that because i don't like him <laughs> my first impression oh, I don't like of him, him either. i don't like him at all i absolutely hate the fuck <laughs> i hate him so goddamn much he just looks like a smug bastard he really does if I had to choose any of them, though, I'm I'm just looking at some of the some of the things. I'm honestly, though, I'm really curious about moon breathing. So fun facts: the first kanji character of Tanjiro's name is Tan, which means charcoal, which is what he sells in the nearby villages to support his family, and it also can be related to fire because charcoal you burn. And that also happens to be what his um, Kagura dance manifested in his sword. So I don't think that's a coincidence that he's so closely related to fire in multiple aspects. Yeah, he uses water breathing. Yeah, well, let's all let's be real of what his true calling is. Mist. Mist. Yeah. It's Blood a mix mist between village. fire and water, and there is actually mist breathing. I did look that. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Anyway. The English and Japanese voice actor for Gyu Tomioka uh, is the voice actor for Sasori from Naruto Shippuden. So I thought that was really cool that the English and Japanese both voice the same character. And then, as far as we know, Zenitsu is the only Demon Slayer member that received a sparrow instead of a Kusai, uh, sorry, a Kusigai crow. I just thought that was interesting. Why'd they give him a, a sparrow? Because he's a coward. Because he's a coward. <laughs> True. Crows are badass. And that's it. So if you guys have any questions, concerns, recommendations, feel free to email us at weebspawn at gmail.com. And don't forget to go follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at weebspawn. That'll be all from us. I've been your host, Bobby. And I'm Joshua. And we will see you next time when we... We've spawned.